and welcome back to the First Cut Podcast with Kyle Porter. That's Kyle Porter. I'm Chip Patterson. And Kyle, uh, I've been loving, loving, loving the screen time that the First Cut Podcast has been getting on the Golf Channel as you've been sitting in on Morning Drive uh, with the crew and the Golf Channel. You are still there. We're recording here on Wednesday morning, National Signing Day. And, uh, and how's it gone so far? Three days down, two to go. Yeah, it, it's been great. You know, it's it's been fun. They they've actually shouted out the first cut podcast not only in the intro but throughout the show at times, which has been, which has been pretty cool. Um, no, it, it, it's been great. It's it's. I was telling somebody this the other day. It's crazy how fast and and poor. I told me this would happen, but how fast TV goes. Mm-hmm. You look up and you're like an hour and a half in, and it's like, well, I, I didn't even well, what just happened. You know, you're it, it it's. And part of it is like you can't stop. It's not like you can go like take a break and eat or you know go to the bathroom. I mean you can, but you got to do it quick. And that's been the thing. That and how many people work on the show have been the two most surprising things for me. The what about in terms of uh, as you've gotten into the weeds? Where do you think that you've landed some good haymakers? And and where do you think maybe uh, you, you realize you found yourself your your tongue got tied or a topic you weren't ready for? Give me give me one here. We're more than past the midway point, so it's not quite your halftime evaluation. But uh, but what do you what are you taking your notes in as we go into the final two days? Yeah, I think that the thing that I am we'll go good at first is when people make kind of broad generalizations about players or themes, but they don't really have data to back it up. Like sometimes I can I can remember stuff off the cuff, not all the time, and sometimes I make those broad generalizations, you know. Um, but I, thanks to you know, shout out to Justin Ray. I'm a I'm a Justin Ray disciple, so I, I think that sometimes I. Uh, bring a little bit of that to the show, but it, in terms of like being able to um, riff and just talk off the cuff, it's really hard. It's really hard to do it well and to make it sound natural. And so when when everybody's just kind of riffing on a topic, I think that I struggle to formulate an opinion really quickly to kind of chime in. That part of it is uh, it's kind of an art, and uh, you know I think that people who have been in TV for a lot longer than than I have, and are and are certainly more natural at it. Are, are just kind of better at the off the cuff stuff. Two hours of television isn't very long. It can go by very very quickly when you factor oh, in because yeah. when you factor in the commercial breaks, the other segments, the other interviews, and, and things that are going to be going on on the set, it's like your. You're ramping yourself up, and you've got to make sure that your energy is at 105 for the entire two hours. But then they're just going to like spurt you out for seven minutes at a time on like five different occasions. Yeah, it's interesting because people think of like, oh, two hours. You got to talk for two hours, and really, you have. I mean, I, I write down notes every day, and I've got like ten notes, ten th- ten points I want to make, and I don't even get to all of them. Right, right, right. That's you over preparing for your time. Yeah. And there are 10 points on a variety of topics. And then some stuff you're just going to naturally react to, like I said earlier. Um, and yeah, that's, I mean, I go through 10 points in like two paragraphs when I'm writing. So it, it's, it's, it's different. It's not, it's certainly not easy. And, and I thought Shane Bacon said this really well. I, I had dinner with him a couple of weeks ago and obviously he used to be at CBS sports and now, uh, is famous and is on the broadcast for Fox for the U S open. And he said, you know, I think that TV is easier 
than writing, but he said it's harder to be good at TV than it is to be good at writing. And I think that's I think that's really true. Um, and and I think the reason he said TV is easier is because you can't, uh, like I said earlier, like you, you just it's sink or swim. You just have to go do it. And right. You can't. You can't. There's no time to beat yourself up over it. There's no time to like wring your hands about your sentences or your intro yeah. or your lead. There's no rewriting. Yeah. You just got to go. Yeah. And that part's fun, right? Because the, the not fun part of writing is the stopping to, you know, go eat because you're, you know, like you just, you're prolonging the inevitable. You know, you have to write this thing and you just either don't want to do it or are stuck or whatever. There's no, there's no getting stuck on TV. You, you just keep going, you know? And so I think, I think that's the quote unquote easier part of it, but it is, it's really hard to be good. And the people I've been with, you know, Damon Hack, Robert Dameron, Paige McKenzie, they're all awesome. And they've been so kind and inviting and just kind of welcomed me in. And uh, I don't know, I can't say enough good things about those guys or about, all the people that are working on the show, it's really, uh, it's really impressive to kind of come in as an outsider and, and view everything. All right. Well, you haven't won an award yet. You can go easy on your acceptance speech. I want to thank everybody <laughs> for being, helping out with this. This is really a team award. All right. Let's, <laughs> let's take a look at the weekend coming up uh, at Pebble Beach. Y'all have already done a little bit of this on the, the show as well. But the event itself, because it's a historic venue, because we are going to get the U.S. Open at Pebble, it's uh, it, it comes with some charm, some excitement. We've got the the stars of, uh, you know, movie, television, music are all going to be around. So good energy all throughout. Like as we as we start to look for the golf takeaways, where in the tournament do you really start to see the the competition at the top start to get a little bit more intense? Like when, when at this tournament does it turn from uh, like charming high fives to a little bit more of the gritty competitiveness that we find often from, uh, from the top golfers competing for wins? I think it's not until Sunday. I think most tournaments you see it, even at majors, you don't really see it get intense until Saturday. And I think this is one of the few where it doesn't happen until Sunday because there's not that because everybody plays all three courses and you don't really cut the field down and 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 uh, you know the amateurs don't really take a back seat until kind of the the final round starts on Sunday. But I think this year is interesting because I I think we're gonna do this silly thing where we're like oh whoever wins is gonna be the U.S. Open favorite. And it's like well U.S. Open's in five months, but I do think that it's gonna be interesting to view the course through a U.S. Open lens. And so, you know, even today on, on the show, Robert was talking about how, well, on, on hole number nine, you know, this is where the U.S. Open tee is. It's a lot different than the regular tournament tee. And I think you're going to see a lot of that this week, which I, I think is exciting because you're already looking forward to the third major of, of the season. Um, do you have a pick to win? Yeah, I got, I got uh, Tommy Locks, Tommy Fleetwood. Mm. First PGA Tour win, uh, you know, He's never played this event before, so there's not a ton to go on. But uh, it's just it's kind of easy to see, isn't it? You know him just by the by the Pacific Ocean, hair flowing, game flowing. I kind of want to wait to pick him for um, for the U.S. Open, but I'm gonna pick Spieth for the U.S. Open in June. So I'm going with uh, with Tommy Fleets for for Pebble Beach Pro Am this week. I'm gonna say that it it is hard to see, but only because we've been really trapped 
in the week to week and in the moment to moment in golf. And that's probably something that is a little bit because of Tiger Woods, a little bit because of being not only Tiger brings us to the party and brings in all the extras to the party, but also we have had a lot with uh, some of the top golfer, some of the top stars in golf, all having a big splash, Ricky Fowler winning the, the Sergio DQ, Bryson uh, absolutely lighting it up overseas, Dustin Johnson winning like the, the, the names have been popping here in the early part of 2019. Tommy Fleetwood has not been one of those names so far. So when I say that I can't see it, it has less to do with this game and more to me, more with me recognizing that as a prisoner of the moment in golf in 2019, one of the greatest talents in the world can somehow fly below the radar. I would bet that Tommy Fleetwood, while everyone recognizes um, what he can do, I would bet he's not on a lot of people's minds right now in terms of the general golf fan. Yeah, but I think I think that's part of it for me is like we've seen a like we haven't seen this. I guess you've seen Xander a couple times and Kucher a couple times, but really it's been different guy, different stars popping up every week. And so for me, it's like oh well, maybe you know this could be Fleetwood's week. Mm. And so because because of the variety, that almost leads me to. Uh, you know, to want to pick Fleetwood maybe more than I, than I normally, like if he had won last week in, did he, I don't even know if he played last week. In, I don't think um, he did. Oh, so you mean over, won, oh, overseas on the European tour. He definitely did not play last week here. No, he didn't play Phoenix. I, I, I couldn't remember if he played Saudi Arabia. I, I don't think he did. Cause I think he played Abu Dhabi and Dubai, but um, if he had won one of those, I think I would actually be more hesitant to pick him just because it's, like DJ this week is he's never won two weeks in a row. It's just hard. It's just hard to do statistically. It's it's just difficult, especially when you're flying all the way over from Saudi Arabia and, and all that. So I, I think the fact that he hasn't won actually it, it makes it I think more enticing to maybe pick him for me. They had me on the Sportsline show talking golf this week, and um, they were throwing the will they won't they majors you know that you set the price will this person win a major yes no yes no yes no and i picked dj on a no number one you've got value just because the you know so he is he is one of the leaders in the odds in to win a major in 2019 so if you pick if you pick no you've got one of the best payouts but the other thing that i said was that man i i believe right now that dustin johnson is great but i I kind of am hesitant or not. I'm not hesitant. I'm wondering if I'm ready to, to shut the window on him being the alpha. Like, I I wonder if that window is open and shut at this point. We've already seen it come and go. I don't think it is. I, I mean, he's only 34, right? Yep. He wins last week. He won what? Three. I just feel like he's a three wins a year guy right now. Mm. I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Who, who knows? I think only time can tell about a lot of that stuff. Oh, and I, I was mean, picking who, it for majors. And part of my explanation was, let's not forget that the only major that he does have is when he didn't even know what the score was. Yeah, that part is that's a that's a great Sean Martin take. That's like one of my favorites. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like uh, I, so I, I'm making I'm making my masters uh, countdown list. So the one through ninety or eighty eight or whatever. I would put be. DJ at ten. No, I've got him at five. I think. Okay. And the reason is because like, it, this isn't true of all courses, but especially at Augusta, it's a par sixty eight. 
I mean, he, he's, he's not even playing a par 72. And you go back to 15, he made three eagles in the same round, which was basically like making three birdies for him on these par fives, which are DJ par fours. I, I don't know. I, I don't <laughs> – this goes back to the Ricky discussion of like winning is so arbitrary. And, and I think that – I think we're going to look back on this era and think, wow, DJ was – like DJ is better than Brooks Kepka, who has three majors. Right. And so there's all these like kind of out of balance collection of of major champion wins. But I think that... that's DJ's role. Like I, I think I'm firmly comfortable acknowledging that the statistics and the form and the quality of golf and the talent and the athletically arrogant swing and everything. Like I think that that is all going to be something that we are going to remember Dustin Johnson fondly for, and we are going to remember his era as the alpha. But I just I, I wonder if when it comes to the judgment of wins, especially at the major championship level, I think I'm, I, you know, we'll see. If if DJ releases a new record, I might be able to get into it. But uh, yeah, I think I'm off buying every one of them blindly. I think it'd be pretty great if he won, like if his only majors ended up being just these unreal courses. Like what if he won Oakmont, uh, Pebble, and Augusta? That'd be insane, right? Well, then he would be one of the, what, only 40-some players with more than two majors? Yeah, I think it's... I think it's a little, uh, yeah, it's around 40, I think. It's 82, but, only 82 players have won multiple in over 150 years of major championship golf. That's pretty wild. Speaking of uh, multiple major winners, did you see what Kepka said about Sergio? Was it when he was uh, out there with Giannis? He, I guess he did some media? Yeah, he did a, he's doing a PGA Championship media tour, and he went on a podcast, the Playing Through podcast, which is Brian Wacker and somebody I don't remember, I'm sorry. <laughs> But he said, you know, let me pull up the quote because it was so good. Uh, he was talking about how Sergio just is acting like a child. And um, I said this on Morning Drive. When did Sir, when did uh, Kepka become the like ombudsman for uh, the for professional golf? Okay, he said. Uh, he said, that's just Sergio acting like a child. It's unfortunate that he's got to do that and complain. Everybody's got to play the same golf course. I didn't play very good, but you didn't really see anybody else doing that. You're 40 years old, so you've got to grow up eventually. That is an, that's, a double, uh, that's a double slam because, number one, it's in a patronizing tone like your father, but it's also pointing out the fact that he's 40 years old and so much older in a game that is getting younger. Like that is that's an evisceration from Brooks Kepka. In terms of Kepka's, the lifeless quotes that we've gotten from him for most of his career, that's a decapitation. He's got takes. He had Bryson takes last week. Uh, he had those those tour championship takes where he was like, you know, I'm not gonna just say I'm not. I, I forgot what he said, but when he when he was mad about not getting asked to go to press conferences and stuff, do you remember that? Uh, no. It sounded like he was calling out like some of the more popular guys. I don't. I don't know who. I don't know who he had in mind when he was saying this. But uh, yeah, he's turned into a pretty fun quote all of a sudden. Mike Gundy, by the way, right now is on the twenty four seven Sports Signing Day show, just in front of a wall of NFL jerseys, trying to stunt as hard as he can. Maybe maybe Sergio needs to uh, go back and watch the Gundy rant about being forty. 
That's true. He could learn a lot of lessons from Mike Gundy. And Sergio, Sergio might also like capturing snakes. Uh, <laughs> who knows? We've got Jordan Spieth coming up here in a little bit. Uh, Jordan Spieth. The, I feel like they ripped. Were you the first person to come out the gate and talk about him having the best scoring average over the last 10 years? Because you mentioned uh, it in the A block, and then all of a sudden they yeah. had it as a stat at the bottom. I was like, ooh, they like yeah. Kyle's stats. Yeah, well, it was it was uh, Justin Ray. Justin Ray just he. I mean, he's unbelievable. He's got these stat sheets every day. It's 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 really remarkable. Like the stuff on Twitter is is only like at like ten percent of it of what he actually does. He just kind of just some just some nuggets for everybody of what his actual work is. But does he work in yeah, Orlando? Yes. Yeah, he's here. So have you been like with Justin Ray? Uh, you know, watching his feet and doing the other discipleship uh, duties. <laughs> I actually had to, uh, yeah, I have to carry his golf bag around. That's right, my, right. that's, that's my indoctrination. No, yeah. uh, I think we're supposed to get a beer later this week, cool. but um, yeah, speed at, at Pebble uh, scoring average of 68.96 over the last, best scoring average over the last 10 years. He's never finished outside the top 22. Obviously, a former champ here. Him and DJ have just owned this place. I mean, they've been so good. DJ's finished in the top five seven times out of 11 appearances, which is a joke. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I think this week will be I think this week will be interesting for Spieth because I think when people say, are you worried about Jordan Spieth? Are you worried about Jordan Spieth? I think when I get worried about him is when he starts to play bad at courses where he usually plays well. So Pebble last year. He's not playing well last year, right? He still finishes T20. Augusta last year, he's playing a little bit better, and he finishes, but he still has kind of a down year for him. He still finishes third there. So what are you doing at Pebble? What are you doing at Augusta? What are you doing at these different places where you've had a ton of success? And so I think that's why I don't, like, bigger picture, if he misses a cut this week, no big deal. But it is sort of interesting because he's always played well at Pebble Beach. Uh, anything else you want to set up here before we uh, take a break and then roll the interview where y'all were in Dallas, right? Yeah, we were at Dallas national. Uh, he's got his speed three under armor shoe coming out. You know, he, he was, as people are about to hear, he was, he's great to talk to. Like he's just very thoughtful. I asked him why he's so honest in press conferences and he he basically said like, I can't help myself. Oh, he said, he said he forgets that there's cameras. Yeah, he thinks like, he's just so- having a conversation with the people, the writers that are just always hanging around. Exactly, which I think is is great and hilarious. He is um, he's one of my f- my favorite people in the game in terms of just being thoughtful and thinking about why he does what he does. Now, I think that gets him into trouble sometimes when he starts getting a little too deep on his swing. Like I think sometimes he just should hang out with DJ and play golf. <laughs> but in terms of talking to him, he's very. Um, yeah, I had, not, I had not been around him much, but he's very electrifying. I don't know if that's the right word. He, he's very engaging, and, and maybe much more so than it comes across when he's just talking into a microphone at the podium. He, he's, he's, he kind of draws you in in a way that I didn't expect, which is, is pretty cool, and, and hopefully it comes across in the interview. All right, Kyle and Jordan coming up right after this. 
The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, They've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there, and I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now, here's what you can do for for our listeners. Uh, First-time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viori.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. Um. Okay, Jordan Spieth. When you think about um, when you think about designing a shoe, you know I've heard you talk about the day. What, what do you what do you envision? Are, are you thinking about yourself walking at Augusta? Are you thinking about yourself playing a casual round? What do you envision when you when you talk about designing a shoe? I'm kind of more thinking about the kind of most difficult elements, like your Open Championship, your Pebble Beach, um, kind of what's going to perform the best, be the most consistent be as stable as can be on the ground, but is also going to be able to kind of weed through the weather. Just your extreme environment is kind of what I think about with the shoe first. Um, And then second, it goes to what can I make most comfortable on my foot? So first they have to be able to weather. Mm -hmm. They have to be able to, you know, stay locked in the ground. You don't want it slipping on an important tee shot on Sunday just because it's, you know, it was, the grass was wet and now it's like dry out and it's just slippery. but second of all, it's kind of your comfort level and the consistency of the shoe. So um, I don't have to really worry with Under Armour about the weather stuff. That's kind of what they specialize in. Yeah. Um, so most of what went into this shoe was, hey, I train in these, these trainers. How can we make this shoe essentially my trainers with spikes on them and, and just even better for golf? One, one of the things I noticed about the first two and, and putting them on, wearing them, they were heavy. They were heavier. I know, I know this one's lighter. Is that the biggest difference from the first two, or what would you say is the biggest difference? Uh, I think, I think actually more, certainly, certainly being lighter will be the most noticeable difference yeah. when you first put them on. But uh, the biggest difference is there was a lot more thought and technology that went into this. So where, sorry, where the where the technology is used. Mm-hmm. Is is I mean, there was research done at you know, the shoe facility in France where 
where you're looking on a, your power plates and you're looking at the transfer of um, weight through the golf swing, where, and everything that we do comes through the ground. So the fact that we wore dress shoes with spikes in them for a number of years is kind of funny, <laughs> given the advances in technology elsewhere, yet nobody really wanted an athletic shoe in golf. And so now taking that the next step, okay, where exactly is all of that force used mm -hmm. and how can it be utilized? And uh, I think that's the biggest change here is we went from like a really kind of good solid golf shoe, good solid athletic golf shoe to, hey, this one's actually working with your foot to where you're closer to the ground, it's lighter, but it has that stability and that advantage as you move your foot, it's just moving with it, it, it there's no resistance. Uh, Under Armour has become, I mean, obviously working with Under Armour has become a big part of your professional life, designing shoes, clothes, all these different things. What's the most fun part of that for you? Is, it, is there an entrepreneurial side or what's, what, what do you enjoy about that? Yeah, I think for me, it's like, it's from kind of my first couple trips in there when they're like, hey man, put this base layer on. We've got this chamber that goes to negative 15 degrees. <laughs> and you're just gonna wear one layer of clothing, go in there and tell me if you're cold. And I go in there and I'm like, well, yeah, my hands and my face are freezing, but I'm not cold wherever this, how is this? Yeah. They're like, yeah, we're putting that technology in a light jacket that you're gonna be able to wear at the British Open where you just have one jacket layer. I'm like, yeah. wow. You know, like just being introduced to that kind of technology and recognizing like this actually can help. Like the clothes that you wear, yeah. what you put on your feet, what you, um, your pants, like just like, wow, this is actually above and beyond. Like they're actually thinking about performance apparel, yeah. which is just unusual in the sport of golf. Yeah, uh, I want to talk a, a little golf in, in terms of, you have a press conference at every event. It, it's Jordan Spieth's here, you're, you're talking. How, have you, do you feel like you've found the middle ground of wanting to, to let people in versus wanting to keep stuff to yourself? I, I know you kind of have tried to figure that out over the last few yeah. years. Have, have, you got, have you arrived at that place? Kind of, I think um, every press conference I go in, I got Jay saying less is more, you yeah, know, yeah. because, but at the same time, it's like, you know, people, I think it's, I think it's cool. Like if I were, if I were a kid and I was looking, watching a press conference of a player that I, that I liked, I'd want to hear like a way that I could practice or get better or an insight or, or something that could help me. And, and so I try and take that into consideration with the, you know, hey, maybe I found some competitive advantages and I want to, mm -hmm. you know, obviously keep them to myself. Yeah. So it's a bit of a struggle. I think I've done a little bit. Yeah, I think I get better each time, but is that, is that, improve. Is that why you let people in? Because I, I watch you, I watch Rory, we ask questions and, and some like going back to Rory's deal with the Olympics, you're watching it and you're like, and you can like see it coming that he's going to say something. But is that why you let people in is because you want kids to look up to it? Why is it that you're so honest with people? Because I, I don't think it's something that maybe I, think I just get like super excited. Like I get so excited <laughs> about golf and stuff that we're working on and stuff like that. And I'm like, and, and it's just like, a, I, I forget that I'm telling that to everyone that they're writing yeah. and, and too and I just think of it as like these are people that I see all the time that I'm walking yeah. and talking with and yeah. I'm like hey yeah you know yeah. I get so excited about it I think is kind of the main thing um, but you know I mean it's I try and do a little 
you know, you try and do a little bit less because the more there is and the more optimistic you are, that then if it doesn't necessarily go the way you see it going, then yeah. all of a sudden that's a failure. Right. Versus in the eyes of the questions that are coming. And yeah, it's totally. Like, it's like, yeah, okay, maybe I didn't need to. I'm optimistic, but I'm saying things need time. And yet, you know, it's in the sports world, it's, you know, what has happened lately. It's yeah. results-based of what that would, which I'm the same way as a sports fan. Yeah. So, like, you can't hate. It's just like a job <laughs> that's done, and you just got to figure out how you want to go about it as an athlete, I guess. Does it, as you get more successful, more time is dedicated to stuff like Under Armour and, and everything else you have going on, does, does focusing on actual golf get harder or is it easier because it's kind of a respite from everything else? Um, I think, I think, I think it's about the same. You know, at times it becomes easier. It's a good getaway. It's fun. It's, um, I enjoy that part of the job too, of, of what I do. Um, but certainly, you know, way back when I was in junior college golf, it was, hey, I'm gonna golf and then yeah. I'm gonna eat and go to sleep, yeah. I'm gonna golf and then eat and go to sleep. And that's what I love to do too. So um, it's it's got uh, kind of both sides to it, I guess. When I mention the final round of the 18 Masters, what's the first thing you think of? I think of what I found on the range right before I started. I'm like, huh, that feeling right there gets me whatever ball flight I want. And I have like this freedom, I'm nine shots back, there's nothing to lose to go play Sunday at Augusta with the Sunday pins, being able to just attack. And wow, I just got this feeling that I kind of lost the last couple of days, I got it back and it feels great. I'm like, man, this is exciting. And I remember the first two shots hit on, I hit on number one were kind of the trial run with that swing field. Mm -hmm. And I hit, you know, a shot down the middle of the fairway and then I hit a cut eight iron right over the flag stick to about eight feet, and I'm like, this could be a fun round today. You know, yeah. when you find something and it's clicking, you're like, that's repeatable. Yeah. Um, so I think of a couple of these iron shots I hit um, there, and to one, I remember the one I hit into five with a five iron to the back pin to a few feet, and I just remember just getting off and running, just feeling that ground swell at Augusta, the, the roars just start to echo, and like, man, you never know. I mean, I'm one to say that you never know what can happen in Augusta. <laughs> so good, bad, and everything in between. I mean, I just keep on putting pressure on. I could find myself in the lead here at some point. So it was, uh, that's what I, th I think about that swing feel and the confidence it bred. I, re I remember being on four with Rory and Reed, and you birdied nine. And I'm like, I got to figure out how to get to like 10 and 11 yeah. <laughs> before something happens over there. <laughs> um, Charles Howe III told me one time that he doesn't feel like, he doesn't think that tournament golf is necessarily a lot of fun. Do you agree or disagree with that sentiment? I disagree. I, I mean, it just depends. You know, I think he's probably talking from a golf purity mm -hmm. standpoint, which I can certainly relate to. Like, if I'm out here just playing by myself, I can certainly enjoy things about that round more than I can tournament play. But I just grew up like, ultra competitive and so yeah it's the tournament is is where it's about like you can compete you can you can be off you can be on it doesn't matter if you compete and you find a way to get the ball in the hole like that's that's cooler for me to be able to to try and win golf tournaments um but it's also nice to step back and have that yeah. kind of purity and artistry of just regular golf too what's what's the most important shot you've ever hit 
most important shot I've ever hit. I think the shot that I hit into um, 13, the year I won the Masters on Sunday, I hit a five iron off the ball above my feet and I didn't have to go for it, but it would keep the pedal down and it was just my DNA. It was my DNA to, to, go, to always go for it. Mm -hmm. And I stuck with that DNA and, uh, and pulled off the shot. It led to birdie. I, the way I was putting, I could have just laid up and made birdie as well, but <laughs> it made it a lot easier. And it kept that pressure on, on Justin Rose to, um, to have to try and catch me. And as far as a shot goes, that was, that was probably number one. Uh, who, who's the person over the last few years that you've been playing with them? And, and you kind of look around and you're like, I live, a, I live a crazy life. This is, this is pretty wild. Just off, off, not competitive round, but just playing with whoever. And I, and I think to myself, I live a crazy yeah, life? Yeah, you're like, well, I can't believe I'm playing golf with this person. Oh, yeah, okay. So, uh, I think I've been able to play golf with Bush and Obama within the last yeah. you know, year and a half. I mean, it's kind of crazy when you yeah. think about past presidents and you're like, and they're like asking you questions about golf and it's like, this is, <laughs> this is a bit bizarre. Um, and then I'm a massive sports fan. So, you know, number of sports figures to play with and, yeah. and, uh, and then think like what you do is cool or they, you know, there's like, man, I like watching what you do. It's like, you have no idea. Like yeah. I, I literally turn on the TV and watch, <laughs> you, you know, it's, um, it's pretty, it's, that's where you kind of pinch yourself. I think ex-presidents, it's like, man, that's pretty amazing. Who's the uh, older non-Tiger player that you've learned the most from, and, and what have you learned from them? Uh, it's hard to single it out, because I could, I could, you could name a player, and I could be like, man, he's been so helpful in this regard, this regard. Sned, Sneds, Zach Johnson, Phil. Uh, there's an a number of guys that have offered advice through different points of my career on different on or off course. Mm -hmm. That's what's so cool about the tour is like, you know, as long as you're just, you know, you want to befriend people or you ask questions, like they, the guys want to help. Like it's just a, um, golf is such a unique sport in that you can, everybody kind of goes through the same ups and downs and how you climb out of it differs from person to person and sometimes um, the way they do it may actually help you and you hadn't even thought about it or something like that or yeah. they, they give you advice that makes it a little bit easier off the course to um, uh, to just kind of settle into tournament weeks or be able to get through a three-week stretch recover better whatever it may be so uh, I wish I had a better answer for you there but it's kind of a number of guys yeah. with different advice yeah I go one more, yeah. Um, when did you decide to hug Patrick Reed at, at uh, Tory? <laughs> was, that, was, was that spur of the moment? Was that planned? How, when, no, when was, was that decision? I was talking with Michael uh, about it. We were like, because everything kind of got blown up. Yeah. And I had already seen Patrick at Sony and there, and nothing had been different. Like, And so it wasn't like the first time we saw each other since the Ryder Cup. And I was like, uh, but this is the first time because you could already see it brewing, like yeah. you're on Instagram, you see yeah. like the um, look, speed and reader paired. It's like, <laughs> oh geez, this, there's gonna be like four camera, like cameras right in our face, and it's like, 
you could either just shake hands and this lives on, or you could just do something and just hopefully end it. Yeah. I figured we'd both laugh no matter what yeah. I did. And so we were both like, we had a few ideas. It was the, me and Michael, that is. Yeah. Patrick had yeah. no idea yeah. that I would do anything. <clears throat> and he was just, I think, trying to fist bump. And it was the, you know, the potential handshake pullback. Yeah. You know, crammed up a cram hole of floor <laughs> or the, uh, um, I was going to do his, you yeah. know, move yeah. or, or whatever. And <laughs> we both just kind of settled on the hug is like, it's a good, it's a good just be like, yeah. it's all okay, guys. Yeah. It's all, and so it was, everybody was laughing there. He laughed. I like, you know, so yeah. hopefully it just killed it all. That's great. Jordan, <laughs> yeah. thanks for the time. Yeah, Appreciate no worries, it. man. Absolutely. Nicely. Our thanks to Jordan Spieth. You can watch Spieth this weekend at the uh, the AT and T at Pebble Beach. Uh, make sure that you follow Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Porter CBS. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Subscribe to the First Cup Podcast. Please leave us a rating, a nice review. We love reading your comments. And make sure you tune back with us on Sunday. We'll be back at you with the Pebble Beach Recap.